Alright, and welcome to the show. This upload is coming to you April 26, 2017, and you're listening to the Post Money Plan Podcast at postmoneyplan.com, where we believe empowerment comes through knowledge. Today on the show, we're going to be discussing the cost of living, and more specifically, the cost of living in San Francisco, and how it's so expensive there currently. So I have Stephen and Gao on the show with me today, who has previously been on the show in various economic podcasts. Welcome to the show, Stephen. Thank you, Dallas. Appreciate being on again. So Stephen currently lives in San Francisco and has been there for about six months. And so I wanted to talk with him about his experience of transitioning to life in San Francisco and feeling the cost of living as compared to other cities. So what we're going to do in this episode is go over his personal situation and the move to San Francisco and what the experience will be like for other people. Then talk about what makes up the cost of living in general. Then we'll talk about the cost of living situation specifically in San Francisco and speculate on some of the reasons for cost of living as it is in San Francisco. And then general discussion on the cost of living compared to other places and living in, in different places. So, Stephen, could you just tell us a little bit about your personal situation and your living in the past? Yeah, sure. So I work for I got a job recently oh, about six months ago. At, so I recently got a job. I moved from Los Angeles. In LA, I was working at UCLA at the Department of Medicine as a financial analyst. And so I got a promotion and I moved up to San Francisco where I got transferred over to UCSF. And I've been here, I've been living in San Francisco Bay Area for about six months now. Okay. And what about your history of where you've lived and some of the differences in each of those places? So I've lived in about maybe a half dozen different metropolises, San Francisco now, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Georgia, Boston, Massachusetts, I guess less than half a dozen. Yeah, so SF, LA, Atlanta, Boston, and a little bit of New York. I was in New York for about six months, but those are the main metropolises that I've experienced cost of living, expensive cost of living, most notably in SF and in Boston, I'd say. I think when I lived in Atlanta, I enjoyed the cost of living. The real estate was inexpensive compared to a city like SF or even LA. In LA, I got more situated with the lifestyle there, but part of my challenge between living in SF and LA is I work for a nonprofit, and so the salary wages aren't as competitive versus uh, for those working in the private sector, So, which is something I'm really experiencing now living in SF. I actually increased my net earnings by just under 45% when I moved from Los Angeles to San Francisco, but the cost of living here, particularly like paying things like rent and, and commute and groceries is pretty significantly high, so it's something that I'm grappling with on a daily basis. When I was living in Boston, I was in college, so most of my living expenses were subsidized just either through, I had a couple of co-op internships and also I was getting occasional allowances from my parents. And so having support from them didn't make it as impactful as, say, living on my own. But uh, when I moved to Atlanta, I enjoyed the quality of life there because rent was inexpensive compared to SF and even Boston. Yeah, Atlanta is quite cheap compared to places like that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, even like anywhere, like I think where you have the general nature of supply and demand, where there's so much space for development, for real estate development, we don't see a lot of demand for it immediately. So people say like Atlanta is an up and coming city because employers are moving, are relocating into the city because it's inexpensive for them. And so naturally, when you have employers move to burgeoning metropolises, you have their employees and their families come with, and that generally will increase the cost of living or at least introduce the suburban flight. But for now, I think Atlanta is a really good place for any young upcoming professional to start start living. 
Well, that's one of the beauties of the capitalist system in my eyes is that when prices rise because of demand in an area, then people seek elsewhere for lower prices. And then that attracts capital into lower cost areas, which then raises prices and creates equilibrium and balances things out over time. That's true. Although sometimes it's, it's kind of a challenge. Cities like LA and SF, even Boston, you have a lot of transient folks. And so people come and go. I remember living in Boston and just going through different sublets and in, in Los Angeles as well. And just like living under someone's, I don't want to say it's 100% illegal, but landlords don't really, they, they tend to turn the shoulder when it comes to this, like subleasing, for example. Like I remember I was living in Boston for a summer in this uh, one bedroom and this three bedroom apartment. And this guy was, he charged me like $200 above the actual rent price. And then I later found out I ran into the landlady and she didn't know who I was. Because she never seen me before. And she's like, you're not on the lease. What are you doing here? Oh, I, you know, I told her I'm subletting from these guys. And then she told me, she asked me how much I was paying. And I told her and she shook her head. She's like, that's not what I charge them for rent. That's not what you should be paying. And so that's when I realized there's like a whole new subculture. Almost kind of like when you think about the housing market a few years ago, you had the primary mortgage market and then the secondary mortgage market. So it made sense to me that, okay, there's a market for real estate here. And then even for people who are stretching the dollar to the best they can, there seems to be this secondary market that's been created with the form of subleasing. And I think with tech companies like Airbnb, it's kind of blown that out the water and landlords are kind of seeing that as a threat. So. I think that's one of the challenges in the near future you mentioned about capitalism is how can we provide a certain vanguard for private property and make sure that everybody gets a fair chance to get affordable housing? Well, I mean, just as a counter argument here, being worried about unaffordable housing, if you go to the most expensive place in the country, which San Francisco pretty much is, I don't think it's fair to complain in the sense of like, hey, we need fair priced housing if it's literally the most expensive place in the country. No, you make a good point. I think what I'm realizing now is my wages are breaking even in terms of cost of living because how the rents increase here is mostly based on supply and demand. So you have like a lot of software engineers, just a lot of tech folks who need to find a place to live because they have a new job in San Francisco. And so landlords see no choice but to raise the rents because they know that they can get the demand for it. So, so I think my case is slightly different because I work for a nonprofit. Like I know coworkers who... I have one coworker. She lives in Sacramento and she commutes into the city every day. I mean, that's kind of like the trade-off. It's like if you live a bit further from work, you can save extra, but then you're also sacrificing your time. So that's actually, I'm in the middle of, I was doing some research earlier, a decision-making process on how I want to stay within my budget and find the right location. Because a city like San Francisco, it's on a peninsula and it doesn't have the perfect routes for transportation. I thought when I was living in Boston, it was such a small city, and you can get around from A to B really quickly with public transit or just like to walk around a lot. Boston's a great city for that, and I think it shares this with San Francisco because of the size. It's small, and it gives incentive for the landlord to increase the rents because they know there's only a few amount of listings for inventory, if that makes sense. Well, we're kind of jumping ahead here in terms of reasons, but I'll go ahead and bring it up here. Is that okay. If you think about it, most of the people that are attracted to San Francisco, you have the tech industry there, which is huge. People are attracted to San Francisco for the tech industry. And so you have a lot of Internet-based businesses there that are making profits via the Internet globally, potentially. And so you have wonderful economies of scale through the internet and businesses that are making tons of money. And when you have that so concentrated in an area which is geographically confined and doesn't have a lot of space to grow from the Bay Area, 
you have a limited resource of land versus tons of money that's coming in essentially globally. But basically, if you think about it, you are competing against all these people who are making tons of money from these tech companies and these internet businesses. That's part of the what's driving all this demand and people who are willing to pay exorbitant prices for real estate. Yes, that's correct. And so I can understand where you're coming from in terms of talking about it. It makes it difficult to compete in terms of being a buyer in real estate and, and other cost of living goods and services in the area. If everyone around you is making a ton of money, it makes it almost unreasonable for you as a <laughs> quote unquote regular person, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That makes sense. I think because that's something, a parallel I realized between LA and, and SF is SF is a tech hub and LA is an entertainment Hollywood hub. And those are two industries that just drive in a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of global capital. And so you have a lot of people who want to move out here because of employment opportunities and Essentially, that results in rents increasing on an annual basis. But if you think about that comparison, San Francisco and L.A. are pretty close in terms of the country. They're both in California. They're both near the water. They both have good weather. You could say L.A. has better weather, maybe. But I agree. They both have global industries, yeah. but L.A. is not geographically confined to the Bay Area like San Francisco is. That's correct. And I think that makes a big difference is because you can live, it's, LA is much more spread out and you, you can find like certain pockets. Like I know I had a lot of coworkers who would live in, they call it the Valley, San Fernando Valley. And that's a big region where inexpensive housing exists, still exists because it's mostly suburban, but it's nowhere near the heart, the hub of LA, like in terms of the Hollywood or downtown districts that make things more demand driven and expensive. But in SF, you hop on Bay Area Rapid Transit to go from one peninsula, the East Bay. For me, at least, I go from one peninsula in the East Bay to another in the city of San Francisco. Basically, what I'm saying is because of the geographical constraints, like I remember living in L.A., you could drive from downtown to the west side. I used to live in downtown L.A., but I, was, I had roommates, so it was like shared housing. And the rent I paid was great because it was shared. And I had friends who lived like in the outer suburbs, like in San Fernando Valley, where a lot of folks live. And it's just maybe about 20, 30 minutes commute without traffic into the city, into the main area, main hubs of downtown and of Hollywood. But, you know, you have cities like San, like Santa Monica is its own city. And rent there is egregiously expensive. It's where all the wealthy folks live. And Beverly Hills, obviously, but... I think one thing I'm learning is that industry-specific cities tend to have a factor on cost of living, and I'm learning it the hard way. <laughs> well, yeah, I was, I was going to say about the geographical situation again. If you think of Manhattan or Honolulu, they are also right up there in the highest cost of living, and if you think about it, Manhattan has the finance industry, but it also right. is geographically confined to that. There's only the finite space of that island or that sure. peninsula, whatever you call it. And same with Honolulu. You know, you have the city. It's a city on this island that's confined. And islands anyway have higher prices of everything because goods are harder to get because you have more restrictions to import and export trade. Yeah, that makes sense, man. I think that's something I realized, too, in Boston. So I was going to ask you, how would you compare how your cost of living was in L.A. to now in San Francisco? And you, you said you got the pay bump. You were able to jump up your, your pay moving to the job in San Francisco, but you realized that the cost of living is also higher there. So how would you compare the net result between the two and just in general? 
the net result between the two. I think one decision I'm regretting is not living close to work. When I was in LA, for the most part, I was living maybe 30 minutes, 45 minutes max drive to work. Recently, before I left, I was living only like a 15, 20-minute drive to and from my house every day, which is so smooth. But now I live in the East Bay, and I walk to the bar station, and then I take bar subway into the city. And then I work at a couple of different locations in the city for my employer. And so every now and then, I'll take Muni, which is the bus line, or I'll just take the shuttle bus. My employer offers the shuttle service at one of the train stations. So I think that while my wages have improved, it's not as easy for me to commute. I actually ended up getting rid of my car because I was never really using it. I take public transit five days of the week to and from the city. Groceries, I was kind of spoiled in L.A. because I lived, I worked at UCLA, so I, I worked on a school campus. And so there's so many different supermarkets who would offer these different campus deals for faculty, staff, or students which I took advantage of pretty frequently. But living here, it's, it's different because it's not the same style. Like this is, while it is a, an academic campus, it's not the same setup as UCLA. So I do have to find, I actually plan my grocery purchases based on where I work. If there's like a Trader Joe's, for example, nearby, or like a, a farmer's market or anything like that, I'll just buy in bunches. Instead of buying in stock, I'll just buy groceries every other day. So in terms of giving up your car, when I lived in the Netherlands, I didn't get a car there because of the same kind of situation where it was very expensive to have a car versus my income, and there was lots of public transportation there. And even though I was able to use that while I was there, there was a certain sense of lost freedom with not having a car anymore. Oh yeah, totally. I agree with that. I think sometimes there's frustration when you have to give up your the control of your commute to uh, random forces outside of your control. Whenever it rains, like there's always delays on the train. Every now and then there's like medical delays and baseball season just started. So trains are going to be more packed on home games when the Giants get out. And so those things like that I'm dealing with and reconciling with on a daily basis. I mean, fortunately for me, I only do two things when I'm riding public transit and that's listening to music and reading. Dude, you got to listen to the Post Money Plan podcast. <laughs> All right, fresh plug. <laughs> I got it bookmarked on my mobile device, man. But yeah, I, I definitely experienced that when I was in the Netherlands. There was that lost sense of personal control with not having a car. So when you go to a condensed place like San Francisco or New York or wherever, where there's lots of public transportation and it's super expensive to have a car, so it makes a lot of sense to give up your car. But then at the same time, you, you do give up that optionality of, and that flexibility of going wherever on whatever schedule. Yeah, I mean, one thing I have noticed is people tend to, it seems like when you get really situated with living in the Bay Area, you either choose one side or the other. Like, I remember I would tell people when I first moved here, they'd say, oh, so where do you live? And I'd be like, oh, I live in Berkeley. And you're like, oh, in East Bay. And, you know, I'd read between the lines as in, okay. I'm so never going to see you again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, if you live in the city, I mean, if you work in the city, you should live in the city. And if you live in East Bay, you should also work in East Bay to make the commute easier. So that's something I'm realizing. And so I've been weighing my options as to find housing in the city or a whole other employer to work for in the East Bay. Okay, uh, let me ask you this. So you're saying you regret living far from work, but you're also talking about the high cost. So if you were close to work, would that not be even more of a strain? 
So I think if I was living in the city, like everything that I've, within my budget, I pay thirteen hundred a month. So if I was paying something like that in the city, I'd be in the same situation where it'd be shared housing. I'd have roommates as well. But I mean, just the other day, I was looking at a place in East Bay. It was like a studio for fifteen hundred. So I think there's more opportunities. Like if I wanted to obtain like a one bedroom or a studio apartment. There's a higher probability of me obtaining something like that in East Bay versus in San Francisco at the current price that I'm looking for. And I think a big reason for that is East Bay seems to be more spread out, more suburban, more community oriented, which actually was uh, something I was looking for when I was moving here, as I didn't want to live in a place that would be hard for me to meet and greet people. I've met people in the city, but something that I didn't like about L.A. is like I was getting overwhelmed by the urban essence of it. I think I was looking for something more laid back and more more community focused, and that's something that I've cherished about living in the East Bay. And so that's one of my challenges I'm trying to grapple with is how to hold on to what I was originally and am still interested in, which is having a community oriented living space and also having a comfortable commute to work. How long is your commute? So it's like a 15 minute walk to the train station, and then. Maybe about an hour, an hour and 15 total, give or take. I mean, if it's really smooth, it could be like an hour, an hour and 10 minutes tops. And that's if I get to the train station on time and catch the train on time and then get into the city and catch the connecting shuttle bus on time or the connecting uh, city bus on time. But if I have to wait for one of those two, either the train or the bus to come, then it could be like an hour and 15. I mean, sometimes if there's major delays, it could be like an hour and a half. Yeah, man, that's pretty harsh, because if you think about it, it starts to add up. An hour each way, that's two hours a day, five days a week, that's 10 hours a week, 50 weeks a year. You're talking 500 hours that's just in commuting? Yeah, dude, you know, I was looking at it on a daily basis, and then you just kind of did the math in 500 hours. I'm like, oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, more than the money, I think the time is just what grinds my gears. It's like I'd really... Well, it's an opportunity cost. It's a non-cash cost, but your time is valuable too. So that's a consideration. Yeah, because it takes away from doing things. I end up working late a lot, so sometimes I don't get to exercise as often as I do or get groceries as often as I'd like. So I just end up working and then going to and straight from my house. Yeah. So I I didn't bring this up earlier, but in terms of just talking about the, the general cost of living and what makes up your cost of living... According to the U.S. Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics, they say that the average breakdown for cost of living is 35% housing, 19% transportation, 13% food, 9% healthcare, and then miscellaneous other pieces. So basically, your big expenses are housing, transportation, food, and then healthcare. Healthcare, you don't have much control over. So let's just like ignore that for the time being. So housing is your big thing. So when housing is expensive somewhere, that's going to have a big impact. So what, like we're discussing now, San Francisco, the housing is really expensive. So that makes the cost of living really expensive because it's the biggest portion of your cost of living. Right, right. Actually, I think that was something that I did realize that that was something I've also heard is the rule of thumb is you're supposed to have every 30 cents on the dollar should go to allocated for rent. So I was like, okay, I don't want to have it no more than around 33, like you're saying, 35% of my monthly gross wages. And so I was really vigilant in that because that is actually what killed me in LA is I would sometimes I'd have almost half of my check be for rent and that totally killed me in my budget. And so I was really vigilant about that 
expense coming into San Francisco, and so far I've been successful in that. Commuting has been a challenge. It's been a little, I think you said, was like 15%? Housing, 35%. Transportation, 19%. Food, 13%. 19%. Okay, yeah, so I guess like, yeah, I think those, I think it's been easier for me to wrestle with commuting and with food, but I think one of the things I was proud about myself was making sure I didn't repeat that same housing mistake, housing expense mistake that I did in LA with San Francisco. And But then there's a drawback to that. You know, like I said, my wages aren't as high as, as folks in the private sector. And so 33 or 35% of my monthly wages is significantly different than someone who works for, I don't know, say Facebook or Google, and they're working in the city and they're looking for an apartment. So I think for my budget, it works. But for me, it's just like I don't have as much time as I would because of where I live. And so that's that's a trade-off that I'm realizing. You said your wages, your rent was 1300 right now? Yeah, but then you know what I do? I, I, I pay like 250 a month in public transit. And so like public transit is actually pretty expensive here. I mean, I get – this is like I pay 250 a month, but that's like a pre-tax deduction. Like one of the benefits I have of working for University of California is I get a lot of deductions – so I get health deductions for FSA, and I get uh, I get public transit deductions. So with the deduction, I pay like two fifty, and I and I usually topple that onto my rent. So about like fifteen, sixteen hundred in rent and commute expenses. So according to some sources, uh, you know, you can debate on this, but the American average across the the country for a single adult is twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars a year, which equates to a little under twenty four hundred dollars a month. But then when it comes to San Francisco for a single adult, you're talking $43,600 a year or $3,633 a month. So that's over 50% above the national average, let alone a lower cost area. So it's a a big difference and it's among the highest in the country. So your concerns are definitely merited. That's about like how much I make on a monthly basis. That's what goes to show that basically you have to end up living paycheck to paycheck, where if it becomes very difficult to save any money, then you're basically spending all of what you make. Yep, break even. Yeah. Okay, so then if we take the U.S. Department of Labor, Bureau of Labor Statistics breakdown, which we discussed before, and applied that to the national average cost of living of 28500 a year, or... Uh, a little under 2400 a month, that would imply that you're only paying $830 a month on housing, which, <laughs> from what you've said, is, what, 40% less? Yeah. But you said you're spending 250 a month on transportation? Yeah, just about. That's actually coming out better than a 19% on the same would be 450 bucks a month. So it seems like you're actually coming out ahead there. Let's bring it back. We talked about this before, but in terms of the reasons for the cost of living in San Francisco, what were some of your thoughts on that? Why you think it's so expensive there? Well, yeah, tech industry, that's a big reason for expensive cost of living. I think also just like the geographic constraints is also another concern. I think those are really the main two. I mean, I can't really think of any other major industries. Like Maybe financial services is, is, is pretty big here as well. But uh, I think those are the main two. Like, I just know... Where I work in the city, it's it's called Mission Bay, and right across the street, they're building a new arena for the Golden State Warriors uh, basketball team, professional basketball team, and it's going to be right across the street from where 
the San Francisco Giants, the baseball team, where they play. And it's slated to be finished in, like, end of next year or 2019 around that time. And so you're going to have, like, this concentrated, this densely concentrated area of the city that's going to have a lot of business. And I think something that plays into favor is you have these big firms or these big organizations that work with government, like the local municipalities, for getting zoning ordinances done their way. So you have places where, like in Oakland, when the Warriors leave, because the Raiders are already going to leave, the Raiders are the football team. And so when you have those type of big revenue earners for the city, when they kind of evacuate the premises, it, it creates this void. And so I'm seeing in the future there'll be like this imbalance where in the East Bay you'll have this big hole of nothingness in terms of tax revenues to collect if you're a local municipality. Whereas in the city of San Francisco, they have a lot to look forward towards because you're going to have all these uh, sports teams in a concentrated area. And, you know, my employer, UCSF, is expanding. They're building new buildings for different health facilities in the similar regions. And so all these different expansions are happening in, in such a small peninsula compared to the rest of the Bay Area. And so I think just focusing on how the zoning ordinances are handled, the geographic constraints that are naturally placed, and the big industry players, you know, tech industry, are kind of the main reasons why you have these rising cost of living expenses. Like we said before, in my mind, housing costs are the biggest contributor to your cost of living. And so since housing costs in San Francisco are really expensive, the most expensive places to live come primarily from high housing costs. And like I said, I think that's mostly due to densely populated areas with high income and limited availability of real estate. So yeah, I agree. Definitely have those factors there. The last point I would say is just in contradiction to worrying about the cost of living in an area is that all incomes and cost of living are not created equal. $50,000 in San Francisco clearly doesn't get you as far as it would in, say, rural Oklahoma. But that being said, saving only 5% of your paycheck in San Francisco could still be better than saving 10% of your paycheck in Oklahoma if your wage potential in San Francisco is much, much higher. Because let's say you were able to get a six-figure wage in San Francisco eventually, and then you were able to save only 5% of that, that would still be that could end up more than your $50,000 wage in Oklahoma where you're saving 10%, but it's never going to grow. Right. And then right. if you want to move somewhere else or go on vacation, you take your San Francisco savings, then it goes a lot further. Things are a lot cheaper for you versus like if you are in Oklahoma, you want to go on vacation or you want to move. Everything's more expensive now. True. Anyway, I was going to leave it with that. So... We'll go ahead and cut it off there. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dallas. I appreciate it. So we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Post Money Plan podcast. <laughs>